Welcome, my name is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and we thank you for taking some time to listen to some audio recordings from the pulpit of the Riverview Baptist Church. Our desire is to show the Lord high, holy, and lifted up, as well as try to be a blessing to those through the Word of God. Please enjoy this message, and we pray that it will be a blessing to your life. And if you wouldn't mind to take your copy of the Word of God and turn with me to the last part of the Bible, the book of Revelation, chapter number 21. The book of Revelation and chapter number 21. We are on our very last message describing the Millennial Kingdom. And we talked about the prepping before the Millennial Kingdom, the events that came before it. We spent a lot of time talking about the Millennial Kingdom and the different aspects of it. Then we saw the ending of the Millennial Kingdom. And now we come to eternity future. Normally when people talk about forgiveness, they say you can go to heaven. We kind of skip the idea of the Millennial Kingdom that, hey, you're going to stop somewhere for a thousand years. But this is the ultimate destination. The, the eternity future. Future in heaven for, with God forever and ever and ever. And so if you don't mind, let's read about it. As the Bible describes it in the book of Revelation chapter number 21. The book of Revelation chapter 21. And notice with me if you don't mind. In Revelation 21 starting in verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city. New Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he shall dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, and I will give unto him that is a thirst of all of the fountain of water of life freely. And he that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And if you're in the habit of marking things in your Bible, would you mark a phrase that we find in the book of Revelation? Revelation 21, and notice with me in verse number 3. Revelation 21, and notice with me in verse number 3, the phrase that says, He will dwell with them. He will dwell with with them. And with this, we're going to speak about eternity future with this idea that he, that's God, will dwell with them. If you don't mind, let's go to the Lord together and let's pray. 
Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for the great privilege to be in your house today. We thank you for the answers to prayer. We thank you so much for people who have been responding to you. And we're asking that you would just help us to continue to keep our eyes on you and marching forward towards you, following you, submitting ourselves, obeying you. And that we would learn a little bit tonight of what you revealed to us about eternity future and how we can look forward to it. This wonderful, wonderful place. And we love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As already has been described to you that <laughs> eternity future, or what we would uh, properly call heaven, is something so fantastical and so beyond our imagination that our Bible doesn't say much about it. Can you imagine a place that's beyond your imagination? Let's just take something simple. We know that there is something called in science the electromagnetic spectrum. And the electromagnetic spectrum covers so many things. Basically, it is a certain type of waves with different frequency and different amplitude that does different things. For example, out of the electromagnetic spectrum, we can only see a small sliver of it, which we would call the um, visible light. And you would have the different colors that you could see. And it is only a small part of the electromagnetic spectrum. We can only see a small portion of the waves around us. What would happen if we go to heaven and God with given us a brand new body that would be able to see different things that maybe we wouldn't be able to see before? What would it be like to see music? We know that when music, if something is hit on the piano, what is happening is that there's a hammer that hits the, uh, that hits the note or hits the uh, chord in there. And then the chord vibrates at a certain frequency. That certain frequency, what it does is it sets off uh, uh, waves that emanate from the piano that goes to you. And that is waves. Well, we know that light is in waves. What happens if you get a brand new body that can see the note that is played? That music is something that's not just heard, but is seen. Wouldn't that just, just that right there, wouldn't that change everything? To be able to see music? To see what people say as they say it? You know, you got the cartoons where you could see the little things coming out. What would it be to actually see music? What would it be to hear the color purple? Man, the color purple, it is my favorite color to listen to. You know, that pink, it's not that good of a color to listen to. I'd rather listen to purple instead. You know, imagine just going up the, the waves and, and the different ways to experience it. What if the waves hit you in a different way and you could feel it? The color pink just makes me feel warm and fuzzy. Oh, I love to be around the color pink. It just, woo. Is that better for you? All right. You understand? Just going with the senses that we know. If they're enhanced, wouldn't that be an amazing place? You know, and that's just with something that we could sort of understand with, with our senses. What happens if you could taste the color red? Oh, give me some more red. That's good stuff. Oh, more red, more red. No, hold back on the yellow now. What if just the senses we already understand? Oh, you got to sniff blue. 
Oh, that blue smoke. Oh, yeah. We understand we have our senses. What if just those things were enhanced? But you understand that that's something we could use our imagination on. Heaven is so far beyond our imagination that we can't even comprehend what it's going to be like. What if we had even more senses in heaven? Now, I'm just speculating, but I'm just saying the heaven's a wonderful place that we can't wrap our minds around. The heaven is such a fantastical place. What a wonderful place to go to. What a wonderful place to be. Now, because God understands that our minds are just having a hard time comprehending what he does reveal to us, he reveals very little about eternity future because it's something beyond our comprehension. But what happens in the book of Revelation 21 is that God reveals some things dealing with eternity future. And so if you don't mind, let's just take some time to go through, through Revelation chapter 21 and just see what little bit he does reveal to us speaking about eternity future. If you don't mind, the very first thing I'd like to show you here is the God that is there. The God who is there. Notice with me in verse 1. Revelation 21 and verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. By the way, we're living in the first heaven and the first earth. That's the earth that we're currently living in. This earth is going to pass away and a brand new heaven and a brand new earth is going to be formed. And guess what? There's going to be no more sea. You say, why is there not going to be any sea? I don't know. God didn't consult me. He didn't ask my opinion. And he doesn't give an explanation. He just states it as fact. There's going to be no more sea. Then he says, verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. Now, you want to talk about something that's fantastical. Here's a huge city, and we're going to talk about how big it is in just a bit. Coming down from heaven. And it's going to be floating from the sky forever and ever. Now, Green Bay doesn't do that. Some people think Chicago does that. We wish California would do that. But, you know, understand that that's not how things work here. But they're going to have a brand new city that comes down from God, that God built it. He prepared it. And it's going to float from the sky. That's different. And notice in verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, come down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them. And they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them, and be their God. You know what we understand about heaven is that as wonderful as heaven is, the thing that makes heaven really worth going there is that God is there. And that we get to spend all of eternity with God. That God is there. That Jesus is there. We're going to dwell with him. That is what really makes heaven worth being there. Eternity future. Notice in verse 3. And for verse four, rather, and God shall wipe all tears from their eyes. So in this place of eternity future, there's going to be no more tears and 
no more reason for tears. Some of you are definitely looking forward to that. You no longer have to worry about crying at night. Crying for no reason whatsoever. I remember working with a young lady once who, who she was crying and saying, you know, is everything the matter? What's the matter? She goes, I'm a girl. That's all I need to know. You know, in heaven, there's going to be no more near, uh, no more tears. God's going to wipe them away. Notice what else in verse 4. There should be no more death. Things will not die in eternity future. You don't have to worry about old age. Namely, because there's no more time. But you don't have to worry about dying. You don't have to worry about someone that you love dying. You don't have to worry about puppies dying, cats dying. Now, again, I don't know what's all going to be there. I know what's going to, the Bible says, the millennial kingdom. But you understand there's going to be no more death. That's a concept that nobody would understand anymore because there's no more death. It says there's no, neither sorrow. You know, there's a lot of sorrow on this earth. You turn on the news and there's plenty of reason to cry. There are, you could hear stories about loved ones and the condition that they're in. And that could give us reason to sorrow. But there's going to be no more sorrow up in heaven. No more hurts. Whether they're physical hurts or emotional hurts. There's going to be no more hurts. That is a wonderful place to be. There's going to be neither shall there be any more pain. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Some of you who live with pain, you don't have to worry about pain anymore. That's something we get to look forward to. A place where we'll no longer wake up. Well, there's no more time, but you don't have to worry about in the morning and try to uncreak and get things functioning and stretch out and move and no more snap, crackle, and pop because you guys are eating too many Rice Krispies and it's all catching up to you anymore. Lighter mood tonight, it's fine. What a wonderful place that will be. And the former things are passed away. Those things are set aside and be forgotten. You'll no longer remember any bad politics. You'll no longer remember any bad things that ever happened to you. There's some things you probably want to forget now. But you'll never have to worry about that because they'll be gone. Those hurts and those sorrows, those fears will all be gone. That sounds like a wonderful place to go. Verse number five, and he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, write, for these words are true and faithful. John got to get a small glimpse of this. And Jesus is telling him, write this down. This is true. This is not your imagination. This is what heaven is truly like. Then in verse six, Jesus is continuing to talk to John. And he said unto me, it is done. I am Alpha and Omega. Now, Alpha and Omega is a special title for God that talks about Alpha and Omega. Now, we have an alphabet today, right? A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, and Z. I couldn't even get any kids to smile at me on that one. I did that for you. But... We know that in our alphabet, A is our, the beginning of the alphabet. Z is the ending of the alphabet. In the Greek alphabet, alpha is the first letter. Omega is the last letter. And it is a picture of from A to Z, 
from beginning to end, Jesus covers it all. He covers every little bit from A to Z, the Alpha and the Omega. He is the all in all. And that's what Jesus is. He says, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. I make all things new. He says, I'm the beginning of the end. And guess what? I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of water of life freely. And so it talks about the wonderful place of heaven. But the most important thing about heaven is that God is there. That Jesus is there. And he is the one that makes it worth going. In addition, we see a second thing in this passage here in Revelation 21. And we see the great city prepared. The great city prepared. Notice with me as we pick it up in verse number 9. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, and I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now let's talk about this city. Now this city is again a floating city. That's beyond our imagination. What's even more past our imagination is the enormity of this city. Now it's called the bride, um, the lamb's wife, because out of association of the main inhabitants, the church, those people who have accepted Jesus Christ as their personal savior from times past, those are going to be the main inhabitants, even though it does include all of those who've been redeemed, all of those who have accepted Christ as their savior throughout all time, accepted the promises of God. But notice as it goes on and describes this city. Verse number 11, having the glory of God and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even as jasper stone and clear as crystal. And it goes through and it explains a little bit more of the gates and uh, the angels in those gates. Pick it up with me in verse number 15. And he that talked with me had a golden reed to measure the city and the gates thereof and the wall thereof. And the city lieth four square. So meaning it's laying in a square foundation. That means the length is the same as the width. It's a square and so it lieth four square, and the length is as large as the breadth. And he measured the city with a reed, 12,000 furlongs. And the length and the breadth and the height of it are equal. So here, not only does it say it's square, but it's also the, from the length is the same as the breadth. So length and width are the same, but also the height. The height is the same as the length and the breadth. Now it goes on and gives a certain dimension that it says, <coughs> uh, what it's the length and breadth and the height are equal. It says it's 12,000 furlongs. You say, well, that's nice. What in the world is a furlong? How big is this? Well, instead of just going through the calculations, let me just tell you what this is. A furlong is approximately about 600 feet. So if you're going to put that together, it would be 1,360 miles long and 1,363 miles deep and 1,360 miles tall. That's a pretty big city, wouldn't it? You say, well, how big is that? Well, we know that Green Bay is a certain size, but there's some bigger cities. But if you were to put a, an equivalence, it would be about the size of the widest part of Texas. 
That's one side of the city. Have you ever driven across Texas? That's one side. And so it's that and that and height. That's how big it is. So you want to talk about a city with plenty of room. That's a city with plenty of room. You say, well, how does that equivalent? Let's see if we can try to comprehend this. That each floor would have about, <coughs> excuse me, speculating if one floor was about a mile high. So let's say that one floor, you had one mile. That's some pretty big floors. We don't have a mile high in this, a mile high ceiling here. But let's say that in this city here, if one floor was a mile high, what you would have is 1.8 million square miles of space in each floor. Um, the total space of the eternal city would be 2.5 billion square miles. That's a big city. Let's say that there were 20 billion souls, 20 billion souls living in that eternal city. Each person would have 10 acres of space and one mile of vertical space. Do you think maybe you could use that much land? Maybe, you know, have a problem decorating all of that, but that would be your space. You think you'd have plenty of space up in heaven? Maybe just a little and... That's your spot. It, again, we don't know how it's going to calculate and divide it up. But that's, that's if it was divided up even just with the dimensions we have. But even if it was cut short to have parks and streets and elevators or flying powers or whatever works. You probably have a lot of space just to yourself. So for those of you who are loners, there you go. You got plenty of space. You could hide out into your little space of the city of 10 acres of space and a whole mile just to yourself. That's pretty wonderful, isn't it? And again, that's just guessing just based off of the calculations sent to us that was recorded in here. Now, this is talking about that city. Now, that's pretty fantastical. It goes more and talks about the city and talks about the uh, pearly gates. And it talks about how each of the stones are represented. It talks about how each of the apostles represent the stones. Pick it up with me as I want to hit something specific uh, as we continue on, notice with me, if you don't mind, in verse 22. Revelation 21 and verse 22. And I saw no... Uh, let's hit 21. Uh, we got to hit 21. And the temple gates, or the 12 gates, were 12 pearls. Meaning the gates are made out of huge pearls. That's a pretty big gate. A pretty big pearl. And so it's made out of pearl. And every gate was of one pearl. So one pearl made the gates of that, that specific city. Now, let's say that we had small doors like ours. Could you imagine a pearl so big that you could carve a door out of? That's a pretty big pearl, huh? I want to see the oyster that came out of. All right. But notice this. And the street of the city was pure gold, as it were, transparent glass. You know, the thing that we want as money in our country now is what they use for pavement up in heaven. Some people, have, I've heard them pray that just chisel me a little bit of that pavement and send it down here and I could use it. But up in heaven, you don't have to worry about finances. They have it all taken care of. You don't have to worry about it. They use what we want for money. They use that for pavement. Pure gold is what we walk on. 
And so this is an amazing city. Notice with me in verse 22. And I saw no temple there, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are the temple of it. There's going to be no temple in the, inside of the eternity future. There's one in the millennial kingdom, but that's because people are still going to need to be saved. But in eternity future, there's no need for it. God is there with us. We don't need a temple. We don't need a worship thing. We just go to talk to Jesus ourselves. We go to spend time with God. Verse number 23. And the city had no need of the sun, neither of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God did lighten it. And the Lamb is the light thereof. What a wonderful place that will be. That this great city's prepared and that we know that God is there with us. So as we've already explained a little bit about eternity future, we see the God that was there. We see the, good, the great city prepared. But there's one last thing I want to hit to you here. And this is the great way to eternity. The great way to eternity. How do we get to this wonderful place called heaven? How do we get to this wonderful, fantastical place that is beyond our imagination? Well, notice what the Bible says in Revelation 21. And notice with me verse 7. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. The Bible talks about in the book of John, in chapter 1, that all of those who accept Jesus as Savior, guess what? You become the sons of God. How do you... Become the sons of God by accepting Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Recognizing that you're a sinner. And because of your sin, that you have offended a holy God. But that Jesus died for you and paid your price. And you personally asked Jesus to be your Savior. And the wonderful thing is, is that you become one of the sons of God. What does that mean? Well, that means that you get to look at God with your own eyes. Redeemed man is the only creature that will be able to look upon God with our own eyes. Even the angels can't look upon God and live. But we will be considered the sons and daughters of God, the children of God, and that we get to be with God there. You just accept Jesus as your Savior. On the flip side, notice with me in verse 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part of the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now remember, the same time as eternity future, there's also the awful place of the lake of fire. And who goes to the lake of fire? Anyone who is a sinner and never accepted Jesus as their personal savior. Well, we understand we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So what makes a person go to hell? For them not accepting the free gift of Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That's all that's required. And so here is a contrast. We could go to this wonderful place, but don't forget at the same time, there are people that are going to be cast into that lake of fire. Not everyone goes to heaven, but it's not because of God's choice. It is because of man's choice, whether they accept Jesus and that free gift or not. Notice with me in verse 27. And there shall be in no wise enter into anything that defileth, meaning that God has to keep heaven perfect and he can't allow anything that is not perfect to go into heaven. So he can't allow anything that defileth it. That carries the idea of something that doesn't make it perfect. Neither whatsoever worketh abomination or maketh a lie. Notice this. All that's required for someone not to go to heaven is to tell a lie. That 
is one sin. Now that's a simple thing. That's all that's required. That's all that to make you a sinner. You just have to sin once. And every single one of us is told a lie. But notice this. But they are that are written in the Lamb's book of life. Who is going into heaven? Those that are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now remember I described to you this morning. What is the Lamb's book of life? It is Jesus' personal journal. Of all those who accepted him as Savior. And so it's his personal diary. So if you came to the place where you said I accept you. Jesus writes it down in his diary. And it can never be blotted out. It can never be erased. Never be stricken out. That This is as simple as it is. How do I make it to heaven? By trusting Jesus as your personal Savior. What makes me not go to heaven? Well, are you a sinner? Yes, every one of us has sinned to come short of the glory of God. Then what makes a person not go to heaven? By not accepting Jesus as their personal Savior. That's as simple as it is. Every single person can go to heaven. Every single person could trust in Christ. God has made it available so there's not anyone that is so awful of a sinner that they cannot get saved. There's no one that reaches the cutoff where God says, nope, nope, nope. Anyone who accepts Jesus is free to go into that wonderful place. And many of you have accepted Jesus as your Savior. Isn't that a wonderful place? We can look forward to going to heaven ourselves. And I hope you are. Thank you for listening to this audio message. This is Pastor Scotty Bockhaus, and I encourage you to take this information that you just received and make a specific decision to follow after the Lord. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, let me beg you to take the time to receive Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. If you are saved, I encourage you to make a decision in your life to help you get closer with the Lord. If there's anything specific we can do to be a blessing or to pray for you, we encourage you. Look us up on the internet at riverviewbc.com. Once again, that's riverviewbc.com. Or if you would prefer to call us, you can give us a call at area code 920 530-6308. Once again, that number is 920-530-6308. If there's anything we can do to be a blessing or an encouragement to you, please let us know. We would love to make ourselves available. Thank you. Thank you.